Chapter Thirty Two of I Say No. This recording is in the public domain. I Say No by Wilkie Collins. Book the Third. Netherwoods. Chapter Thirty Two. In the Grey Room. The house inhabited by Miss Ladd and her pupils had been built in the early part of the present century by a wealthy merchant, proud of his money and eager to distinguish himself. As the owner of the largest country seat in the neighbourhood. After his death, Miss Ladd had taken Netherwoods, as the place was called, finding her own house insufficient for the accommodation of the increasing number of her pupils. A lease was granted to her on moderate terms. Netherwoods failed to attract persons of distinction in search of a country residence. The grounds were beautiful. But no landed property, not even a park, was attached to the house. Excepting the few acres on which the building stood, the surrounding land belonged to a retired naval officer of old family, who resented the attempt of a merchant of low birth to assume the position of a gentleman. No matter what proposals might be made to the admiral, he refused them all. The privilege of shooting was not one of the attractions offered to tenants. The country presented no facilities for hunting, and the only stream in the neighbourhood was not preserved. In consequence of these drawbacks, the merchant's representatives had to choose between a proposal to use Netherwoods as a lunatic asylum, or to accept as tenant the respectable mistress of a fashionable and prosperous school. They decided in favour of Miss Ladd. The contemplated change in Francine's position was accomplished in that vast house without inconvenience. There were rooms unoccupied, even when the limit assigned to the number of pupils had been reached. On the reopening of the school, Francine was offered her choice between two rooms on one of the upper stories and two rooms on the ground floor. She chose these last. Her sitting room and bedroom, situated at the back of the house, communicated with each other. The sitting room, ornamented with a pretty paper of delicate grey, and furnished with curtains of the same colour, had been accordingly named the Grey Room. It had a French window which opened on the terrace overlooking the garden and the grounds. Some fine old engravings from the grand landscapes of Claude, part of a collection of prints possessed by Miss Ladd's father, hung on the walls. The carpet was in harmony with the curtains, and the furniture was of light coloured wood, which helped the general effect of subdued brightness that made the charm of the room. If you are not happy here, Miss Ladd said, I despair of you. And Francine answered, Yes, it's very pretty, but I wish it was not so small. On the twelfth of August, the regular routine of the school was resumed. Alban Morris found two strangers in his class to fill the vacancies left by Emily and Cecilia. Mrs. Elmother was duly established in her new place. She produced an unfavourable impression in the servants' hall, not As the handsome chief housemaid explained, because she was ugly and old, but because she was a person who didn't talk. 
the prejudice against habitual silence among the lower order of the people is almost as inveterate as the prejudice against red hair in the evening on the first day of renewed studies while the girls were in the grounds after tea francine had at last completed the arrangement of her rooms and had dismissed mrs elmother kept hard at work since the morning to take a little rest standing alone at her window the west indian heiress wondered what she had better do next she glanced at the girls on the lawn and decided that they were unworthy of serious notice on the part of a person so specially favoured as herself she turned sidewise and looked along the length of the terrace at the far end a tall man was slowly pacing to and fro with his head down and his hands in his pockets francine recognised the rude drawing-master who had torn up his view of the village after she had saved it from being blown into the pond she stepped out on the terrace and called to him he stopped and looked up do you want me he called back of course i do she advanced a little to meet him and offered encouragement under the form of a hard smile although his manners might be unpleasant he had claims on the indulgence of a young lady who was at a loss how to employ her idle time in the first place he was a man in the second place he was not as old as the music-master or as ugly as the dancing-master in the third place he was an admirer of emily and the opportunity of trying to make his allegiance by means of a flirtation in emily's absence was too good an opportunity to be lost do you remember how rude you were to me on the day when you were sketching in the summer-house francine asked with snappish playfulness i expect you to make yourself agreeable this time i am going to pay you a compliment he waited with exasperating composure to hear what the proposed compliment might be the furrow between his eyebrows looked deeper than ever there were signs of secret trouble in that dark face so grimly and so resolutely composed the school without emily presented the severest trial of endurance that he had encountered since the day when he had been deserted and disgraced by his affianced wife you are an artist francine persisted and therefore a person of taste i want to have your opinion of my sitting-room criticism is invited pray come in he seemed to be unwilling to accept the invitation then altered his mind and followed francine she had visited emily she was perhaps in a fair way to become emily's friend he remembered that he had already lost an opportunity of studying her character and if he saw the necessity of warning emily not to encourage the advances of mr saw very pretty he remarked looking round the room without appearing to care for anything in it except the prince francine was bent on fascinating him she raised her eyebrows and lifted her hands in playful remonstrance do remember it's my room she said and take some little interest in it for my sake what do you want me to say he asked 
come and sit down by me she made room for him on the sofa her one favourite aspiration the longing to excite envy in others expressed itself in her next words say something pretty she answered say you would like to have such a room as this i should like to have your prints he remarked will that do it wouldn't do from anybody else ah mr morris i know why you are not nice as you might be you are not happy the school has lost its one attraction in losing our dear emily you feel it i know you feel it she assisted this expression of sympathy to produce the right effect by a sigh what would i not give to inspire such devotion as yours i don't envy emily i only wish she paused in confusion and opened her fan isn't it pretty she said with an ostentatious appearance of changing the subject alban behaved like a monster he began to talk of the weather i think this is the hottest day we have had he said no wonder you want your fan netherwoods is an airless place at this season of the year she controlled her temper i do indeed feel the heat she admitted with a resignation which reproved him it is so heavy and oppressive here after brighton perhaps my sad life far away from home and friends makes me sensitive to trifles do you think so mr morris the merciless man said he thought it was the situation of the house miss ladd took the place in the spring he continued and only discovered the one objection to it some months afterward we are in the highest part of the valley here but you see it's a valley surrounded by hills and on three sides the hills are near us all very well in winter but in summer i have heard of girls in this school so out of health in the relaxing atmosphere that they have been sent home again francine suddenly showed an interest in what he was saying if he had cared to observe her closely he might have noticed it do you mean that the girls were really ill she asked no they slept badly lost appetite started at trifling noises in short their nerves were out of order did they get well again at home in other air not a doubt of it he answered beginning to get weary of the subject may i look at your books francine's interest in the influence of different atmospheres on health was not exhausted yet do you know where the girls lived when they were at home she inquired i know where one of them lived she was the best pupil i ever had and i remember she lived in yorkshire he was so weary of the idle curiosity as it appeared to him which persisted in asking trifling questions that he left his seat and crossed the room may i look at your books he repeated oh yes the conversation was suspended for a while 
The lady thought, I should like to box his ears. The gentleman thought, she's only an inquisitive fool after all. His examination of her books confirmed him in the delusion that there was really nothing in Francine's character which rendered it necessary to caution Emily against the advances of her new friend. Turning away from the bookcase, he made the first excuse that occurred to him for putting an end to the interview. "'I must beg you to let me return to my duties, Mr. Saw. I have to correct the young lady's drawings before they begin again tomorrow.' Francine's wounded vanity made a last expiring attempt to steal the heart of Emily's lover. "'You remind me that I have a favour to ask,' she said. "'I don't attend the other classes, but I should like to join your class. May I?' She looked up at him with a languishing appearance of entreaty, which sorely tried Alban's capacity to keep his face in serious order. He acknowledged the compliment paid to him in studiously commonplace terms, and got a little nearer to the open window. Francine's obstinacy was not conquered yet. "'My education has been sadly neglected,' she continued. "'But I have had some little instruction in drawing. You will not find me so ignorant as some of the other girls.' She waited a little, anticipating a few complimentary words. Alban waited also, in silence. "'I shall look forward with pleasure to my lessons under such an artist as yourself,' she went on, and waited again, and was disappointed again. "'Perhaps,' she resumed, "'I may become your favourite pupil. Who knows?' "'Who, indeed?' It was not much to say when he spoke at last, but it was enough to encourage Francine. She called him, "'Dear Mr. Morris!' She pleaded for permission to take her first lesson immediately. She clasped her hands. "'Please say yes!' "'I can't say yes till you have complied with the rules.' "'Are they your rules?' Her eyes expressed the readiest submission in that case. He entirely failed to see it. He said there were Miss Ladd's rules, and wished her good evening. She watched him walking away down the terrace. How was he paid? Did he receive a yearly salary, or did he get a little extra money for each new pupil who took drawing lessons? Francine saw her opportunity of being even with him. You brute! Catch me attending your class. End of chapter thirty two.